Welcome to Fast Lane with Sarah Jane, a podcast for women who are on the move, managing life and family. Your host, Sarah Jane, is building a tribe and talking about the things that affect the daily lives of moms. You can expect real conversations about managing chaos, finding ways to take care of mind and body, and stepping outside your comfort zone on the way to living your best life. Hold on for a wild ride. Now, let's get started. Today, I want to welcome CJ Wynn. I appreciate her taking the time to speak with me. And I just read a book that she wrote. And this is the kind of book that you're not putting down. It's the kind of book that you're reading when you're the passenger in the car or you're in between supper. It's something that you are not putting down. So thank you, CJ, for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you welcoming me. I'm just curious. First of all, let's find out a little bit about your background because you wrote Wilder Intentions, which is a true crime novel. So you, you're dealing, this is not something you're making up, which by the way, after reading that book, I don't know, like I don't, you couldn't make some of that stuff up. What's going on? Right. (laughs) Unreal. So how did you get interested in true crime? Let's start there. Sure. So I've pretty much always been interested in true crime and it really dates back to, I think way back in the like early 90s, well, probably even earlier than that, but Lifetime, I know Lifetime really focused a lot of their programming on um, making, you know, TV, made for TV shows about true crimes that had happened. And one of them was The Burning Bed way back when. And my mom was really, really interested in them. And so my mom and I would just sit down and we would watch those shows. We'd watch everything on a&E, American Justice. And the only one I didn't really like was Unsolved Mysteries because I didn't like to see anything that wasn't solved. That really <laughs> that really bothered me a lot. I, I wanted to see the ending. I wanted to see that the people who did terrible things to other people were, were caught <laughs> and were no longer out in public. And so, um, and that just kind of, you know, snowballed um, into me reading um, any true crime book I could get my hands on. And Rule was definitely one of my favorites way back when. And she's really the pioneer you know, of true crime book writing, um, in my eyes anyways. Um, and so then, uh, you know, basically everything, everything I watch pretty much is true crime, which is a little morbid probably, but (laughs) so I, I have a master's degree in psychology. So the human psyche behavior just totally fascinates me. And so when I sit down and watch some of these things, I really try to find the underlying reasons or causes or catalysts that make people do the things that they do in in essence, which end up in horrible violence against others in some circumstances. This book is very well written, like to the point I had a friend who hasn't probably read a book, she said in 15 to 20 years, but she read all of your book, but eight pages in a day because she said she fell asleep. (laughs) And so she kept texting me saying, what do you think of the book? I'm like, I haven't been able to start it yet because we homeschool and I work and, you know, so I just hadn't been able to start it. And so then I started it and I texted her and I said, this book is really well-written. I said, the author did a good job. And she said, she did a very good job. Thank you. This was your first book. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I had, I've written some blogs before and things like that, but as far as, you know, writing a full manuscript with chapters and an epilogue and things like that, I'd never done before. So it did take me a while. I mean, it took me about 18 months to do this, but I, what, you know, what I I go back to is I like to think that all of the books that I've read and all of the TV shows that I've watched were sort of my 20 years of research, if you will, into, Mm -hmm. into what 
I felt anyways, what was effective for me in reading books and what I felt like reached audiences most. And so I feel like unbeknownst to me when I was watching all these shows and reading all, all these books, preparing myself to potentially do something like this someday. I read a lot of books and I mean, I'm not some book critic, so I'm not going to pretend that I am. <laughs> but one thing that I really like in a book is when I feel like I'm in the book. So when you're describing, let's say when you were in the jail or let's say when you're talking about some of the apartments or whatever, I, I could seriously have that vision in my mind. And I really liked it. You describe the characters so well, you know, down to the rosy cheeks and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you just kind of felt like you were part of the book. And maybe that's why you can't put it down because it's like a person gets so invested in what is going on. So that, I thought that was wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, you know, sort of the three elements that I find to be most effective and whether it's true crime, whether it's fiction, anything like that is short chapters. The ones with short chapters that while you are in bed at night reading, you could say, oh, I can just do one more. I can just do one more. Mm -hmm. The second thing is leaving a cliffhanger basically at the end of every chapter so that people still want, I, I can't wait to figure out what happens next or, you know, find out what happens next. And then the third thing, which I think is probably the most important of all of them is that fact. And so I appreciate so much that you really pointed that out, Sarah, because that's one of the things that I really wanted to make sure to do is to describe situations, emotions, actions, words, scenery, everything like that, so that the reader does feel like they're literally in there as things are unfolding. Absolutely. When you talked about leaving the jail, I honestly felt the relief like when you were talking about how you walked out and I kind of was like out of that space that had to feel good and then you were like I was so happy that I had freedom and I thought yes that's exactly how I was feeling at that time what I really liked is that the forward to your book was great because your mentor wrote that correct Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it gave me literally goosebumps when I read it because you truly do give a voice to the victim. Like this isn't, you know, you're not, this isn't just some random tale that you're, you're telling. You're actually telling about someone's life and their death and you did such a good job and it must meant a lot to you to read those kinds of words from a mentor like that. Yes. And I don't know if you know this or not, but she actually passed away just a few weeks ago. Shanna Hogan did just kind of a tragic accident that happened. So that has been sort of reeling through the author world and things like that. And so to have her words in my book and how heartfelt they were and what a what an amazing person she was and what an amazing mentor she was to me. I appreciate so much. So many people have actually talked to me about how much those words meant to them, how powerful those words that she wrote were in that book. So I appreciate that very much. It is great. And I just want to read part of it here. She had said, every murder is worthy of documentation. When someone's life ends suddenly and violently through homicide, the victim is robbed of their opportunity to write the end of their own life story. Mm -hmm. These crimes, while heinous and horrific, need to be told and every victim deserves to be remembered. Absolutely. Now, you took that to the next level because you talked to Minot State and you helped this victim get her degree, correct? Yes. Posthumously. Yeah. Okay. What made you do that? That's above and beyond. I don't want to say normal, but everyday Joe is not going to go and get the credit for someone once they've gone. And someone they didn't know. You didn't. You had no connection to this woman. Right, right. No. As I researched, as I talked to her family, the two things that became clear to me about Angela Wilder is that 
she wanted to be a mother. First and foremost, anything in her life, she wanted to be a mother. The second thing was a pretty close second is that she wanted to be somewhere in the medical field. First and foremost, she wanted to be a doctor. When that didn't work out, she found what what she could pursue within her means, within the realms of what she was able to do with her schedule and her time and her resources. And she decided that she wanted to be a nurse. And the fact that she was going through this program, she had worked so hard to get herself to the space where she could go do this program. Her fiance at the time was working full-time so that she could attend school full-time during the day. And so it just, it was one of the things that was very emotional to me that her second dream, she was never ever able to realize because as Shanna wrote, she didn't get to tell the end of her life story. She didn't get to make that decision to finish that program. And so I commend those at Minot State University for, given that I didn't know Angela, I was not a family member, I commend them so much and thank them so much for listening to my sort of pitch or plea to honor her with a post-posthumous degree. It was pretty amazing. I thought that was wonderful. Are you in the mix of writing any other book right now or is this, because I, I don't want to generalize, but I'm, I'm going to generalize just because of this book. But when you were did the investigative reporting in this and you went through thousands of pages of documents and you talked to you know some pretty cold people how are you how are you sleeping at night some days there were several times i had to put it aside you know when you watch those videos when you see crime scene photos that are beyond disturbing when you watch the videos of the people who were ultimately held accountable for this and their demeanor and their total and complete lack of remorse or even acknowledgement for what they did it is very hard it is very difficult At the same time, one of the most important things in writing a book like this is that you do have to have empathy for everyone involved to a certain degree. Two people did something really awful, but they also had things that happened to them in their lives to try to, so that's what I kind of had to do is sort of try to understand the things and events in their lives that led up to it. That doesn't make me excuse their their actions. That doesn't make me think that they're acceptable by any means, but in order to be able to kind of put that into perspective as, as far as separating the heinous parts of it versus, you know, having some sort of empathy allows me to continue to be somewhat objective and and unbiased. Because if I come at this from a disgust point of view, from uh, an automatic dislike or anything like that, I'm not going to be able to write this book in a way that's going to be meaningful, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I am not downplaying at all because two people did very, you know, I mean, something very, very bad in a way, and it's in a much different way. But in a way, do you think Cynthia was a victim as well? I've been asked this a couple of times. I think that she had a troubled childhood. I think she had a very troubled childhood. And I will give her that because I think it did lead to some behaviors that led to choices that she probably should have never made. That being said, no. I don't. I think she willingly went with this. I don't think she ever had any objections and she doesn't have any remorse. And those are the two things really, you know, that stand out when I'm asked that question is if the person I had talked to today told me, I cannot believe I was involved in that. I'm horrified of what happened. Then maybe that's something that could be talked about is, you know, maybe she did feel forced or what have you, but none of that is there. And so therefore, from what she's told everyone from the court to the reporter in her psychological exam pre-sentencing was that she still feels that Angela deserved to die. And in that case, no, I don't feel that Cindy was manipulated or forced into anything at all. I agree. Cause I've really marinated on that thinking, 
you know, she was manipulated and, you know, lied to and whatnot. But I thought at the end of the day, especially right now, I would think that she would be saying, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Mm -hmm. I want to be with my daughter. And Mm -hmm. so I totally agree. So since you had met her, I just didn't know what your, what your take was on that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think throughout the book, when you read it, you can see that Richie Wilder was a master manipulator, right? So you would, so you would maybe automatically come to that potential conclusion is that, well, Cynthia had to have been manipulated as well in some way, shape or form. But I think he manipulated her into thinking he was a good guy. I do think that. I think that she was oblivious to everything he had done, everything he was doing behind her back. I think he was able to convince her that Angela was the terrible person in this relationship. And so in 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 that way, sure, to, to, right. to a certain degree, you know, because Cynthia never bothered to try to find out anything other than what Richie was telling her. She right. just decided that that's exactly how it was. She didn't bother to talk to Angela or to ask anyone else. But as far as the act itself, no, no. I think she was a willing and, and able participant. But some of the stuff is so absolutely ludicrous that he was telling her and that she was believing. I'm going to get an yes. apartment with this lady because we're going into business together, but we don't know what kind of business. The people I work with want to buy my semen. What yes. now? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 That's, and, and I, th- you know, and, and to find all of this information out, one thing I did not put in the book is that two of those women that Richie was having relationships with, reached out to Cindy to tell her they were mortified that to find out the long distance woman didn't know he was married at all. And the one that was in North Dakota thought that he was divorcing his wife and that Cynthia knew all about it. And even when confronted with all this, I still don't think she believes any of it is true. Wow. That is like (laughs) living under a rock. Yeah. Well, and he celebrates it, right? He told his fellow jail cellmates that he couldn't believe how much he could pull the wool over her eyes. And maybe it's just because she didn't want to believe any of that. Maybe maybe it's because she thought that they were so intertwined in this big plan that it never even dawned on her that he was straying from her at the time. Mm-hmm. So. so at the end of the book, you have, you have a lot of photos at the end of the book. And one of them is of him blowing a kiss as he leaves the courtroom. Again, it still kind of seems like it's all kind of a joke to him. Was there ever any type of psychological exam after that to figure out like why he is like this? Because this is not normal behavior. Like, and I watch uh, not as many as crime shows as you, but sometimes people will snap and whatever, but the lies just, there's a mountain of them. So is this some type of psychological issue? He did have, he did have a psychological exam in between his conviction and his sentencing. Those of course are sealed records. I can't have access to those. But what his lawyer does say to the judge afterwards is that his client is now on medication oh, for right. whatever issues there were. I don't know what those are. I can I can imagine several different things potentially, but I don't know specifically what that was. You you have family. This is like investigative journalism. Like you are asking tough questions of very cold killing people. Do you does your family ever feel like they're under investigation like <laughs> when you're asking them questions or are you are you pretty calm at home or are you getting right down to it all the time I am pretty calm at home I I spend a lot of time talking to people on the phone and, and things like that so really at home I I tend to be a little bit more 
and people probably won't believe this. They probably won't, but I don't really like to talk a whole lot. <laughs> I really don't like to. And so, and so, no, I, I, you know, I play with my kids. I read my kids' books. We watch movies. We, you know, no, I, that's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that before, but no, I, I, I don't think I've never been told by anyone. They feel like they're being interrogated by me, but I, she'll, I'll probably ask my husband when I get home. You feel like I've interrogated you at all, but no, I don't think, I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, Yeah. <laughs> Because one of my first thoughts was, I wonder if her kids are feeding her a lie. If she is digging to the, she's not going to take anyone's bull. She's getting right down to the bottom <laughs> of it. And she's asking the hard questions right away. Well, maybe, maybe I do. But they, you know, so far my kids are pretty young. They're pretty young. So they haven't gotten into kind of the, the bigger lies, if you will. This yeah. is just really more so, did you eat the chocolate cake with chocolate cake smeared all over their face? <laughs> kind of, kind of lies. So we don't really have to get down to a deeper level quite yet, but We'll we'll wait to see when they get in their teenage years, and then you're right. You're right. Things might get a little dicey there. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna stand a, by. I'll, I'll set up a spotlight. We'll <laughs> set up. Make them sweat. Yeah. <laughs> so you also, when writing this book, you must have formed some good relationships with some of the people that you had to work with, the detectives and such that that worked on this case. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they they were awesome. You know, I think at, at first that there was some reluctance to talk to me, which is which is totally and completely understandable. This is this is something that they deal with every day. And here I, you know, here people come waltzing in to say, "Hey, can you just tell me about this? We want to do TV show. Hey, can you just tell me right. about this?" Versus a more in depth look into kind of their overall work and a spotlight on the things that they do to bring people to justice. Right. So I'm just incredibly grateful that they trusted me. That. I wanted to showcase their work. I wanted to showcase the work that Killen did in court as a prosecutor. She was amazing. She was phenomenal. Um, I've spoken to two jurors after that who just thought she was, you know, just spectacular in the case that she presented. The detectives, the hard work that they did, the tough questions they asked. I mean, the interrogation room. I would not want to be in an interrogation room with these detectives ever. They were really good. And so I hope they feel that in my writing that I did showcase that, that I did show their hard work and determination and their dedication to the community and, and, and solving things like this that happen. And why did you specifically choose this crime? Really, honestly, specifically because I'm from Minot. And it was just at a time I had, there was a dateline that was aired in August, 2018. And it just kind of fit in with where I was in my life at that point. And I mean, it's, it is kind of funny that I just kind of made a split decision that night that I was going to write a book on it. And then the next day I was emailing people and calling people and getting as much information as I could. And it just, it just sort of snowballed, you know, and there are times, you know, when I would get into it and think, boy, this was, this was a joke. You can't do this. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think you are that you can, that you can do this, you know, but you know, like I said, the, support of my family, support of my friends, Shanna Hogan as my mentor. I mean, I couldn't have asked for more support and encouragement. So you, you wrote your first book and are you strictly right now an author? Is that, is that your yep. title? Okay. So what yep. is the next book? Um, I have two that I'm working on right now that I probably won't reveal too many details on, but I'm working on two right now, one in Florida, one in North Dakota. Um, one involves um, sort of a kind of multi murder for hire deal. And one includes the murder of a woman who attended University of North Dakota way back when, when I did actually, I didn't know her, but that case actually happened back in 2006. So I'm, I'm just kind of running down and seeing where the research leads and how, and how that goes. But so far two that are kind of standing out to be really good ones that I am 
very much interested in. So like I get the North Dakota one because you have ties there. How did you choose the Florida one? Because actually, since I wrote this, actually several people have reached out to me with different cases that they think I should maybe look into. And this was actually one of them because another one of my friends from high school actually worked with the one of the, the female victim in Florida in Grand Forks. Um, and so there's, so not, not definitely not a direct connection by any means, but just kind of that still sort of that North Dakota tie because they were here um, and then they relocated down to Florida later on. Um, so still, still sort of that North Dakota tie. I'm curious, what were you doing before you were an author? Because it sounds like you did not enjoy that job as much as you do now. True. Uh, <laughs> well, I was a um, corporate trainer, a program manager. So I designed, I designed corporate training programs for consultants, which is not even close to this at all. No, it's not. That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that had to, did include things like behavioral training and things like that. It was mostly technical training, but this is definitely much more fulfilling for me. So I'm... I love it because you totally found a new path that is obviously making you happy because the whole time I've been looking at you, you've pretty much been smiling. So that's... I do. I do. I love it very much. And I think, you know, um, in writing the training programs and things like that, and really did sort of cultivate being able to kind of write on a more broader scale. So I can't dismiss that experience by any means. That was definitely a great experience, but this is definitely where my heart is. This is where my passion lies, 100%. Yeah, you, the passion definitely comes out. And I shouldn't say you've been smiling the whole time because we've talked about some, um, a little more gruesome things, but you can tell, you can see the passion on your face and that means a lot. And we, when we talk about your uh, mentor, Shanna, it, it's very obvious that that is, that is still pretty raw and that yeah. probably will be, will be for a while. Yeah, thank you. When you had reached out to her, were you apprehensive that she wasn't going to respond because she would, you know, since she had, she was already established and she was already writing a lot of books, were you apprehensive that she wouldn't reach out? And if she didn't, would you not have carried forward? No, uh, I did not expect her to reach out at all, actually. That was actually a total, I mean, much to my, you know, how happy that made me to hear, hear back from her that quickly. And then to have her kind of just right away say, wow, I really want to meet with you. Let's talk. That was not what I expected at all. But at the same time, that's kind of how things went, Sarah. The minute I decided to do this, it was just like everything, every door opened, everything fell into place. And it was certainly there were people that I called to say that, would you like to do an interview with me? And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, there's definitely some doors slammed in my face. For sure, you know, but for the most part, things just really kind of opened up and there really wasn't ever a time that it, except for my own, you know, self-doubt here and there, but there really wasn't ever anything that told me, no, you shouldn't be writing this book or this isn't what you were meant to do. You know, I'm just, I'm just excited that it has met with this much enthusiasm and the reception of it is far beyond my dreams of it ever being, you know, as much as it is. I mean, the praise and the and the enthusiasm is just so far beyond anything that I had expected. So I just feel very blessed and excited to keep moving forward and keep doing this. Well, because your book was in number one on Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the number one new release in uh, True Crime. Um, and it's still in the top 10 of bestsellers overall. Um, I think it was number five the other day. So I'm pretty excited wow. about that. That's yeah. awesome. I actually yeah. got my copy at Main Street Books in Minot. Yes, good, good. And... 
it's kind of personalized because there's a sticker in there with your <laughs> autograph on there. So I do feel a little more important than just buying it on Amazon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, those books uh, took a little bit to get in. So, I, so I'm glad that those came in and that, that you're getting them. So that's awesome. Yeah. I was excited to get that. So now that you have written your first book and you're on your way into two and three, is it, is there kind of a true crime authors club that you're kind of in now? Um, yeah, there's several of us. Um, there's not necessarily clubs so much just as kind of a, a an a, ongoing connection between everyone. But I mean, now that you mentioned it, we, we should do something like that. But no, I, I, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny for Shanna Hogan before I became friends with her. I mean, she was my true crime idol at the time. She had three books out when I first reached out to her. Fourth one came out like six months after her and I first started talking. And so it was just like, I mean, and so now I'm actually talking to several other true crime authors that who are also sort of on top of my list. And it's just kind of interesting, you know. I mean, it's it's it, for me, it's 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 meeting a celebrity, you know. It's yeah. the uh, meeting meeting and talking to celebrities and having them help me and talk to me through things and stuff like that. So it's so that's definitely pretty exciting. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, I love the book, and I already have two people who want to read my version of the book, my <laughs> copy of the book, not my version, my copy. Yeah. And so people will just be lining it up. But I'm hoping at some point I'll meet you and then you'll put my name like two stair in it and then no one can borrow my book again. I could do that. I can do that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I look I forward to whatever you have coming out because you had me the whole book. So I Thank appreciate you. you entertaining me. I appreciate you telling the story of a victim and one more thing I do want to ask do you ever want to meet Christopher Jackson yes okay yes I would love to do that I would love to do that I I would I just like the opportunity to tell him how sorry I am that this happened to him and his son I think it's yeah I think it's I, I it's heartbreaking to me and when you read his words whether he's being interrogated or whether he's sitting on a court, you know, on the stand in court, his words are heart wrenching. Um, If you can't read them without, and those are the times where it was like, I had to, sometimes I just had to step away because you just feel the emotion and the heartbreak in him. And, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, I very much respect his privacy. I don't even know if he knows this book has been written, to be honest with you. I, I don't know, but I hope if he ever does read it, I hope that he does feel that I portrayed his sweetheart and how much he loved her. So, Absolutely. You did a great job of that. And that's why I thought that you probably would say you would like to meet him because you would just kind of like to, it would almost be like some closure for you too, because mm-hmm. you kind of felt like probably you knew them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I just, I pray he's doing well. I pray that he's finding peace and, and starting to heal from this because it was truly awful. You know, I mean, that's, that's a thing that when people do things like that, like this, you don't, I don't think anyone ever takes into account the absolute depth of the people impacted by it. It's not just that you're taking someone's life, you're impacting dozens and dozens of people's lives in, 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 in you know, vastly different ways, potentially. The students that Angela attended nursing school with, they were all deeply impacted by this, even if they weren't necessarily really close friends with her. This was something that was very, you know, and still does deeply impact them. Christopher and his family, um, the police, the community, everyone is still deeply impacted by the things that happened. And so I just hope one day Richie and Cynthia do feel remorse for what they did. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you couldn't. 
<laughs> I hope they do someday. I really do. I think that would maybe give someone a better sense, better feeling about this all. And I think that that's probably the part I was asked that, you know, what's, what's the worst thing about this? And that's the fact that there were two people who brutally took the life of someone else and they have no acknowledgement, accountability or remorse for doing it at all. And, and it impacted their offspring. It impacted their children. These are children who may never see their mom and dad again. You know, they'll never see three of them will never see their mom again. One of them will never see their mom and dad again, potentially, you know? So. And how do you tell your child, you know, when they were pretty young when that happened, how do you even explain that when they get older? That would be a hard conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it it depends on who's telling it, right? I mean, if, if it's coming from one side, they might say that it, it, it's a lie, um, that this didn't happen. This is, I mean, this is, this is going to be something that impacts them for the rest of their lives, every single day for the rest of their lives. And once again, something that Richie and Cynthia Wilder did not consider. Oh. Mm-hmm. It was a very emotional book. You did a very, very good job writing it. Is there anything you, else we should know about you or the book? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I appreciate it very much, Sarah. I appreciate your, your praise and your feedback. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for what you did. And uh, I look forward to, well, now I can be celebrity like starstruck because you wrote the book and now, (laughs) and I'm talking to you. So see, it's just, it's a cycle. People, people keep saying that. Oh, my friends. Oh, you don't, you're not going to, no, that's not me at all. At all. (laughs) At all. I, no, no. Well, I love it. I seriously, you did such a good job on the book and I'm just so thankful you had time to chat with me today and I wish you only the best. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.